Oh my goodness. Well, greetings, crew. This is our last evening together up here at Hume Lake. What in the world? And as we enter into this last evening, I just want to begin with you guys interacting and sharing with each other. Because remember, after this time in here, we're going to go to Victory Circle and we're going to have that time to share from a couple prompts. But just right now, I'm just going to ask that you partner up with someone and just share a highlight of the week. One, two, three, go. Partner up with someone, share a highlight of the week. I'll share later. I'll share later. All righty, crew. This is just a warm-up. We're warming up to the sharing time that's going to take place after this at Victory Circle. But we just won't be sharing just highlights. Again, we want to flow from those two prompts that we talked about earlier. Here's a reminder of what those prompts are. It could be the same thing that you shared as a highlight. The prompts are, this week, God, dot, dot, dot. It could totally be connected to the highlight that you just voiced. But what we're going to do and what our focus up there is going to be doing is to put the spotlight on God, not on us. He does stuff in our lives all the time. That's awesome. We just want to point to Him. So this week, God, dot, dot, dot. And then maybe there's some way that God is compelling you or convicting you or calling you to live in some kind of way as you leave this place. So those are the two kind of prompts. This time, you're going to share one more time, and you've got to partner up with someone not sitting in your row and answer one of those two prompts. Say one of those two prompts with someone not in your row. This week, God, dot, dot, dot. I believe God's compelling me to dot, dot, dot. Three, two, one, go. You have to get up.
or does it have to be related to those two prompts? It doesn't have to be. Would love it if it could, it could still be. Yeah, something that God's brought about here. Right. We want to we want to make the sharing time up there brief. So if there's like a nugget from that, like even just like this week, reminding God, reminding you that He's faithful, and He carries us through even the difficulty. And you can even say, guys, like this is the crazy storm that God just had me go through in these past years, and here I am standing today. I mean, He's the God who sustains us, and if you trust Him, even in the midst of the difficulty, He can sustain you too. Like just like an encouragement like that. Absolutely. We won't have time to hear like whole testimony, even though I want to. So yeah, absolutely. That's it. And I mean, you could just even start by just saying, this week God has reminded me that whatever. And then that can connect to your testimony. Yeah. Malachi, yeah? Nice. All righty, crew. All righty, crew. We can go ahead and grab our seats. You guys just got to hear a lot of different things from each other, and we as counselors, leaders, even the Hume staff, we're excited to hear what God has done in a week like this, because we believe, and this whole staff, um, Russell, the SE team, tech team, worship band, they put in so many hours to make a week like this happen, and even all the preparation that they do, in a huge way, they're walking by faith and not by sight because they don't know. They're not seeing any fruit when they're planning and preparing. But in times like what we're going to go to after this, a victory circle time, that's a time where we get to see, taste, and hear of the fruit of even their good labor. So could we just thank this staff and worship band and everyone? So, I challenge you, be prepared to share up there. Hold on. I think some of you already are saying, no way. I'm going up there and I'm keeping my mouth shut the entire time. Watch out. Watch out. Someone who's leading that time might come out into the audience and take you by the hand and say, stand. No, I don't think I'll do that. But be prepared. And here's just a little encouragement with that. Again, we're trying to put the spotlight on God and what He's done. He's worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. You guys have been worshiping in a really sweet way during this week, and He's worthy of all the worship, glory, honor, and praise that we could offer. If there's things that we're not sharing, the good things that God has done in our lives and we're not sharing them, in a way, we're holding back the opportunity to reveal to other people how good God has been in our lives that could lead to worship. So, don't be a worship blocker tonight. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. Okay, hey, we're talking about this idea of compelled, being controlled by God. And I was, I was just thinking, 
There's one story that comes to mind in my life when I was a high schooler. Believe it or not, I was a high school student in Alexandria, Minnesota. Has anyone spent any time in the Midwest ever? There we go. Has anyone lived through a winter where there's like snow on the ground for multiple months in the year? Praise the Lord. We've survived. Alexandria, Minnesota, high school student. I was probably at least a foot shorter than I am now, and I'm not very tall at all right now. I was just a short little guy. Yeah, (laughs) there's hope. Okay, what was I getting controlled by in high school? Senior year, social studies class. There was extended this opportunity for us to participate and engage in a stock market simulation. Has anyone done a stock market simulation here in this room? Okay, okay, okay. So stock market, real thing. How companies are appraised, valued, bought, sold, um, and you see the, the Dow, the Jones, all the things, Wall Street, numbers, money going all over the place. And in social studies, this class was trying to give us some real-world opportunity to just kind of learn about finances, stewarding finances. How does the whole stock market work? So they give you 500 fake dollars to play into use, I even use the word play, it feels like gambling in some ways to me, but that's probably because I don't understand it, Um, to invest in the stock market, real stock market numbers, but fake money. Keep gambling, says your shirt. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Perfectly applicable. So the task is to gain 10% of your initial investment. So the goal was for you to get an A in the assignment was to get to 550 fake dollars from 500. Gain $50. Okay. This is back in the day. Um, I'll get to that part later. I start investing and I went the risky route. There's something called penny stocks. Stocks that are like five to 10 cents each. So I would just invest everything, all of my $500 in these really cheap stocks, hoping that they would just go up a cent and then I would like make a whole bunch of money. So that was my strategy, risky. Big risk, big reward. And it did immediately reward me. I invested big, went up like one cent, and all of a sudden I'm at like $750. So I've already far surpassed the needed amount to get the A, but now I'm hooked. I'm getting like adrenaline junkie, like, oh yeah. Let's go. And so, what do I do? I go to Alexis Nielsen. She, at this point, is the one girl in our school who has the original iPhone. She's the only girl in the entire school who has an iPhone, which is the only phone at that time that has a browser that's compatible with the stock market challenge simulator website. So she lets me, for whatever reason, borrow her phone all day, every day in school. And I just am only doing the stock market challenge all day, every day. It was like for maybe just a month. But my mind was so completely consumed by that challenge. I was reading the Wall Street Journal. I was like doing research into companies 
and just trying to get as much of an advantage as I possibly could for this silly, stupid, fake competition. But little did I know there was actual cash prizes in value. The student, number one student in Minnesota, would get a grant of $1 million to their school, a million-dollar grant to go to their school. And then they themselves, the student, would get a $25,000 scholarship for their college. So all of a sudden, I realized, oh, there's more stakes at play here than I originally thought. And at this point, I'm doing all this time, still doing kind of risky penny stocks, not investing everything that I had, but I had multiplied from the original $500 to $2,500. So I have more than, yeah, five times multiplied the original amount given. I am number one in the state at this point. Brett Maloney at my school was number two, sitting around $1,200. <laughs> so I have a very comfortable lead over Brett Maloney. And then the other people were like under $1,000. So it was like, we were doing really good. But then one day, I had invested far more than I should have, and I actually did something that's called a short. I shorted a stock, hoping that it would plummet and that I would gain money, but what ended up happening is I shorted it and I forgot to undo it or something um, by the next day, and the, I saw on a headline the stock was doing really good, the company was doing good, so it's going up. So what I bet would happen, the opposite was happening. And again, being a penny stock and the amount that I invested, a lot was on the line. So I get into my first period band class and I'm looking for Alexis Nielsen for her phone. She's not there. Ah. Ah. So by the time I could get to the media center with a hall pass, the damage had been done. I was down back to around $780. I had lost thousands of fake dollars. <laughs> ah! And Brett Maloney also did poorly, so our school didn't even get anyone placed in the top three in the state of Minnesota. Teachers had started to hear when I was at the top of the game, and like, they were hoping for me, and I think they even allowed me to be on that phone during school because of the prize that could have been coming to our school. But I lost it all. I lost it all. So why in the world do I share this silly story about this stock market simulation? I think it applies directly to you and I, thinking about this life and what we choose and allow to have control over us in our lives, and even potentially what may lead us to a similar kind of bankruptcy, ending with nothing outcome. I don't believe any of us want to end our lives and have nothing to show for it or even be full of regret. And so this night, I think, will help us to think about what is truly controlling our lives at this point and how is that going to end up for us. I'm going to pray for us and we'll read our passage. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, would you help us? I believe sincerely that these students and leaders want to live lives that matter. But Lord, this world 
golly, would answer that question and even lead so many in so many different directions. And Lord, I believe that this world would lead people to ultimately squandering their lives, squandering their time, squandering their energy, and it result in nothing. So Lord, would you help us to even right now be made aware by your help, Holy Spirit, pierce through whatever callousness, whatever lies, whatever junk can fill our hearts and mind. And Lord, I pray that you would bring so much clarity that it would lead to us being controlled and living lives for you with the life that you've given us. So Lord, help us now open our eyes Open our ears, soften our hearts, help us to receive from you in your word. We pray and ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We all said, amen. amen. Here we go. Last time we're going to 2 Corinthians 5. Crazy. Open up 2 Corinthians 5. We're just going to be reading in verse 11 through 15. Second Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11. Second Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11, it says this, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died, and was raised. Last night we were talking about being ministers of reconciliation, or goodness, was that this morning? Ministers of reconciliations, ambassadors for our God. In that sense, we're being representatives. And let me just tell you this, you guys, your lives persuade people. You guys are ambassadors. And just the question is, what are you an ambassador of? Some of you may be an ambassador for yourself and your TikTok profile. Some of you may be an ambassador for the sport of football. Some of you may be an ambassador for a specific TV show. Like, what is it that if people just, like, videotaped you, followed you around, listened to how you talk, saw how you spend your time, saw how you spend your money, and even if people could read your thoughts, what is it? that you're representing, what is it, and that kind of a similar question, what is it that's controlling you? What is the main influence in your life? What would it be? Think about that. And then kind of just a follow-up question, where has that led you? Are you satisfied with that thing influencing and having control in your life? And maybe, guys, there, there's satisfaction that you're experiencing now. 
perhaps, even investing in worldly things. But will that continue to satisfy for the long run? And when you come to your deathbed, will you say, if only I had a few more likes and followers on TikTok? It's silly to say, but how many lives are living in that direction? We know that we persuade others, but what's the hope for persuasion here? It's knowing the fear of the Lord we persuade others, knowing what He's done, knowing what He's accomplished. So our lives persuade, what are our lives persuading others towards? A lot of people here, it's saying in verse 12, are giving reason to boast about their outward appearance. Our world, again, my goodness, all about the outward appearance. How do you look? What do you wear? What do you drive? What activities do you do? People exalt things like, yeah, car, clothing, appearance, so high. And again, just give it time. My goodness, everything decays, including you and your face. We will get wrinkles. We will get saggy. Every single one of us. No escaping it. Cars will get rusty. Items will break. Think about like that exact birthday gift that you wanted 10 years ago. The thing that you were so excited about when you unwrapped. Where is that item now? In like some closet or maybe you threw it away last week. Like things even that we uplift and exalt fade in even our own value and estimation of it. So will everything else in this world. Things of this world, guys, they will fade. What is it that is worthy of boasting about? It's what's in the heart. And in a sense, think about there's a throne in you. Who's on the throne in your life? It could be that same answer. It could be the social media. It could be the fame. It could be the renown amongst each other. It could be being athletic. It could be being embraced or received by a certain person. But again, I'm just consider that those things will only leave you wanting and have you remain hollow in a sense. I propose to you, and I think what's being proposed here is that the way to life and the best thing that is, could possibly control you and sit on the throne of your life is our God. The life that he brings and the full satisfaction that only he can bring. Only he could bring. Someone said once that our hearts are idle factories. We are just able to pump out, pump out, pump out things that we want to worship. But none of those things are truly worthy of worship except for our God. So finally, this question of just what controls you? Paul is proposing and he's showing that with his life that is so sold out for God, he says in verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. Why does he say this? Because he's saying the life that he now has is the life that's been purchased, saved, redeemed by our God. Imagine you were walking across the street not seeing the speeding bus that was coming your way. Someone pushed you out of the way of instant death and they themselves died. Hopefully that would affect the way that you live. 
Hopefully there would just be a sense of gratitude and appreciation. Maybe even you would reach out to that person's family and just say, your son, your daughter saved my life. What can I do? There's a similar sense going on with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our lives have been saved. Our lives have been bought with a price, Scripture says. So what can we do? What we can do is lay ourselves out, our lives, our time, our energy, and have our lives be a living sacrifice for our God. That's what it would be like for our lives to be controlled. And what does this mean? And this is so counter to everything our world will say. What does this mean? That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. So guys, the ultimate thing that needs to be dethroned in our hearts and in our lives is ourselves. We make ourselves the kings of our lives. But scripture says our hearts, even our hearts, yours or mine, are deceitfully wicked. Who could understand them? Think about all the ups and downs that you have, all the things that you want one day in the drastic different direction you change, and even the thoughts that come into your mind, and even, oh, we are being tossed to and fro in the waves, even in our own mind and heart. Just think about our emotions, how fastly and quickly our emotions can go up and down and be controlled by things like what people say about us, how people look at us. What if there was something that could control us that was stable, that was consistent, that was steadfast, that was loving, that was reassuring, that you never had to doubt or question your standing, your value, your worth. Guys, that is our God, and that is what He is offering us. If we surrender our lives, remove everything else from the throne in our lives, and just say, God, you've saved me, here I am. What do you have for me? How can I live for you? This will lead to a confidence, a courage, a security, and a life, a life that would not be able to be found anywhere else. So just think about it, guys. Where are those areas that you have searched for life? Have you found it? And to whatever degree, maybe you would say, yes, how long will that last? How long will that last? Sooner or later, even if you just say, forget it with this guy, forget it with these things that he's saying, sooner or later, you will be brought down to your knees by life. And if you have built a foundation that is anything else than the love of our God, it will all crumble. But let me tell you, if you have Jesus Christ, this gospel good news, this life-saving, transforming good news as your foundation, you will be able to withstand every single storm that comes your way. Not saying it'll be easy. Not saying it'll be pain-free. But you will be held fast by the one who knows what it's like to be tortured by the one who knows what it's like to take the worst that this world has to offer. And he's the one who's taken it all, received it all, even unto death, and did it for you, did it for me, so that we could experience 
life. Sin-free, pain-free, what we should be paying. He paid that price. Do you want to be controlled by God? It's a humbling question because it means surrendering control. You're still going to live. You're not going to turn into a robot, but it's a life saying, God, okay, I'm waking up today, and it's not my agenda. God, what do you have for me? Okay, you've called us to be excellent. I'm going to be an excellent student. You've called me to love even those who hate me. What does that look like in my school? What does that look like in my family? It means reading this, words of life and learning more and more about our God and even people who are really like us, messed up people who don't get it right the first time but have a patient God, the same patient God that we have who's willing to help us learn even when we're slow learners. But he's steadfast and he'll remain there for you even when everyone else and everything else falls away. So what are you going to invest in, guys? Back to the stock market challenge. What are you going to invest your life in? And what is it going to lead to? I propose and I submit to you that anything else in this world that you invest your life in will lead you to bankruptcy and having nothing once death comes. But if you invest, submit to our God, this good news gospel, live a life that maybe is hard, maybe it's different than the rest of the way the world is living. And it is. But even when death comes for us, that is then, like we've been singing all week, the doorway to life. So, I guess the question could be just boiled down to this, death or life? Your choice. Our God is extending to you best good news ever of life. Will you accept? So here's what we're going to do. Believe that God is at work in your hearts and minds, um, not because of me, but just in the way that he works. So maybe there's something that's being stirred and triggered and something that's just weighing on you maybe throughout this week and maybe right now it's coming home in a whole new way. So we are going to transition to Victory Circle as an entire group eventually. But right now, for those of you that just feel like you have unfinished business with God, and maybe that's receiving this gospel good news for the first time, maybe that's just confessing something that is just weighing on you, like even how I shared this morning about Danny and just this need to extend forgiveness to him. Maybe there's even a relationship that you would love to be prayed for in. Maybe there's whatever it is, you know. So in just a moment, going to ask that those people who know they just need to sit back, they just need to wait, and they just need to talk and pray with someone. We're going to have some of the counselors here, some of the SE staff, myself, uh, Principal Witty, will be here to talk and pray with you guys. And there's going to be no rush. We're not going to be starting that victory circle time until we're concluded here. So this is a time that if you need to sit, stop, pray, talk with anyone, you just stay put exactly where you are. But for anyone else who is going to leave, just going to ask in a moment, when you leave, you leave total silence. You can start talking when you're outside, and we're going to head up straight from here to Victory Circle. If you need to use the restroom, you can go down those stairs and use the restroom outside Pawnee Chapel. 
but we're going to head up to Victory Circle from this time. I'm going to pray for us, and then you know who you are. If you need to stay, you stay put exactly where you are. If you're not going to stay, you're going to leave as quietly as you possibly can. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you. Lord, if we were left to our own devices, there would be no choice. We would be stuck on a path that only leads to death. But Lord, you're the God who came into the story. Jesus Christ, you're the one who was born fully God and then fully man and did what none of us could do, lived a perfect life and did what only you could do, be the perfect sacrifice, taking on all of our sin, all of our junk, bearing the consequence of it, death, death on a cross. But Lord, you didn't stay dead. You defeated death, and we praise you for being one who brings about life from death, and that's what we're asking for right here. Lord, if there's any students here who have not received you, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, I pray that you would stir in them the urgency that this deserves, that even tonight, Lord, something could happen, and death could come, and Lord, like we were talking about earlier, We know that if death comes, it cements that relationship status. So Lord, may every single one of these students find themselves knowing that they are in right relationship with you. And that's only brought about because of the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away all our sin. So Lord, with whatever else is going on, with all the different thoughts and uh, situations, relationships with whatever else needs prayer and talking through. I just pray that you would bless these conversations that are going to take place in this room. And then as we go up and we're going to be sharing as a group, Lord, what you've done, may that time up at Victory Circle be such a sweet celebration and a time of worship, looking to you and acknowledging what you've done. So prepare the students, even that aren't staying here in this room right now, prepare in them a willingness to share, Lord, what you've done this week. So Lord, we just commit these times to you, both the time in here, praying and interacting, and the time that's going to happen up at Victory Circle for us all. Commit it to you and just ask your blessing over it all, Lord. We pray and ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you're going to stay, stay right where you're at. If you're going to leave, leave as quietly as you possibly can.